This is Around the Farm, the podcast that talks about all things ag. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer. And in today's episode, I'm going to have a little bit of bittersweet news to share with everyone. After about four and a half years at the Climate Corporation, I'm moving on to another role within Bayer that's outside of our digital farming business. I'm heading into the seed part of our business, specifically in a marketing role within Asgrow Soybean Brand. While I'm excited to grow my experience with this new chapter of my career, this move means I'll no longer be able to host Around the Farm. I've really enjoyed my time behind this mic, bringing you insights from experts across many areas, and honestly, just just sharing a lot of good stories with uh, with a lot of good people. And to kind of move on, if you remember, back from episode three in our planting season, I talked to my colleague, actually my manager at the time, Mr. Rick Myrup, about variable rate seeding as well as a new seed placement technology called Seed Advisor that was in its pre-commercial trials. Well, with this move, Rick has graciously offered to take my place while our team determines a permanent host for the show. Rick's with me today. Rick, how about you reintroduce yourself? Hey there, Clint. I'm still a longtime listener. This is the second time I've called. <laughs> hey, I'm excited to take the opportunity to uh, to take the reins from you here on Around the Farm. It'll be hard to fill your shoes. Uh, the Sheffer legacy is one that will be foretold for years and years and many, uh, many a short story. Uh, yarns sung around the campfire. I mean, the legacy is truly something that can't be <laughs> measured with standard tools. For those of you that don't remember me, and I don't know how you can't possibly remember Episode 3, it was significantly better than Star Wars Episode 3. I'm out of St. Louis here. I've been working with the Climate Corporation for a number of years. Been in ag uh, for over a decade. Grew up in a small town up in northeastern Illinois called Beecher, Illinois. And I'm really excited to uh, to have this opportunity to continue these conversations that you've started, Clint, to be able to talk with folks that are innovators in agriculture, to be able to help our listeners to understand what's coming next, how they can leverage that stuff, and how they can take all this mumbo-jumbo that's being spouted out in the industry about what's coming and make practical sense of that and understand how it can actually impact them on their operation. Well, I tell you what, uh, Rick, uh, I'm excited to hear you as the host because I've always looked up to you as uh, as a great public speaker. So uh, so I'm excited to see what you're going to end up doing with this here. Uh, and for those that don't know, actually, uh, a, a little fun fact of information Rick has actually hired me twice within this company. So uh, I had actually, the, the the first time coming on uh, coming on with uh, with Climate Field View back in 2014, you, you were the one that interviewed me. Well, you've made me look good for a number of years in a row. I'm still trying to figure out how I've let you get away, but I'm going to try to suffer through it. There's always an opportunity again for you to hire me next time around. <laughs> All right, now we're just going off the rails here. So. Well, hey, uh, I, I tell you what. If you ever, uh, if you're ever looking maybe for uh, for somebody to come on and uh, and talk about, you know, marketing and and soybeans, uh, I'd I'd be happy to come back as a guest maybe sometime. What do you think that you're going to get a handout on this? I remember how hard I had to work to get on the show the first time. I'm going to need a written application, sources, and you can't use Wikipedia. There's a high bar that's been set for around the farm, Clint. Whew, okay, all right. I'm gonna get uh, get my pencil out and sharpen it here then. So. 
Well, hey, before I go, I'd like to thank all the listeners for spending time with me and my guest. Uh, being a part of this podcast has honestly been probably one of the most fun projects that I've ever been, uh, really ever been a part of. Uh, and hopefully all of them uh, have enjoyed it as well. Uh, and and again, I'm really looking forward to where uh, Rick and the team are, uh, are going to continue to take this. And with that, I can't sign off as a host without reminding you one last time that I'm Clint Chaffer, and that's Chaffer, like the back end of a combine. Thanks, Clint. Really appreciate your contribution, getting around the farm started. Um, and uh, and I'm truly honored to be taking the baton from you to carry this forward, to continue to bring our listeners innovative stories and uh, and conversations with folks that are, that are in exciting places in agriculture that can help them to understand how new technologies are going to impact them on their operations. You know, my name's Rick Myrup, and that may not sound anything like the end of a combine, but I'll do my best to fill your shoes. And with that, Clint, as we thank you, I'd like to ask you to not let the door hit you on the behind on the way out because we've got two great guests coming in, and I need the studio room. Uh, we're really excited to talk about some new challenges that are coming to agriculture in terms of the, the amount of innovation that's coming at the industry, the amount of things that farmers are having to look through and process. And we've got an unbelievable opportunity today to talk to two leaders on the cutting edge of that field. Now, I got to be honest with you, I feel a little bit like I'm in the middle of a Big Ten sandwich here. I got U of I on one side and the Purdue Boilermakers on the other. Folks, my guests today are Chief Science Officer Sam Ethington and Chief Technology Officer, and also the head of product, two men in one, Mark Young. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Uh, first, uh, go Illini. We'll see what happens this fall. Maybe it'll be a, a breakout year for us. Sam Ethington, uh, Chief Science Officer here at Climate Corporation, been here about uh, four years in this role. And uh, our team is really trying to take these uh, data and information and turn it into some sort of actionable insight for our farmers. I grew up in ag, grew up on a farm in central Illinois, still farm there with a couple of my brothers, and uh, spent the last 20 years working on plant breeding and genetics. So uh, fun time in agriculture to see what digital can do. Well, speaking of digital, Sam's team is, is running the science. You guys are trying to find the next generation technologies. The other guy we've got here with us, Mark Young, you're the chief technology officer. Talk to us a little bit about what that means. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it, it always means something a little different at, at each company. So, uh, my background is in uh, is in technology. My degree is computer science uh, f- from Purdue. I spent uh, over twenty years in Silicon Valley working at, at high tech uh, companies. But uh, kind of what's interesting, like Sam, I also grew up on a farm as as well. And about four and a half years ago, I got the opportunity to to come to Climate here and join as uh, chief technology officer. And and really t- to sum up that role, it is it is how do we make uh, the right technology decisions in terms of architecture, platforms, frameworks, things like that, they really set us up for success in, in the years to come uh, as, as a company. In addition to that, about a year ago, I also took over the responsibilities for the, the product organization within Climate. So as head of product, I'm also responsible for uh, the next generation of, of FieldView uh, products that we're working on. I'm impressed. You did all that and you didn't even have to switch literal hats here in the booth as you were, uh, as you were going through that. But it sounds like you're doing a lot of different stuff for the Climate Corporation. Yeah, Sam, you've uh, you've been doing this for a long time, been been had a front seat here for a lot of changes in agriculture over the past 20 years here. Can can you tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, what's got you excited about how the acceleration of of capture of data and of new digitization and new technologies on farm, how that's affecting agriculture? You know, what's interesting is for the first time in agriculture, we, we actually have data that lets us answer questions we never could. 
So if you think about plant breeding, we've been trying to figure out how a hybrid will interact with soil types or farming practices for really the most part of modern plant breeding the last uh, 80 to 90 years. But we never had enough data to really answer that question. And so we're now in an interesting time where with the simplicity of FieldView to bring in data and being able to capture all this information that's going on about farming operations on the farm, you know, how farmers are managing their crop, um, what sort of results they're getting, and our ability to combine that with our research data, uh, it's a pretty cool time when you look at uh, the insights and information that's coming from the data, and it's, it ultimately is going to help our customers uh, make more informed uh, decisions and do uh, you know, better operations on their farm. Hey, from a science perspective, I totally get the more data, the better. It, it helps us to understand things. But Mark, from a product perspective, uh, simply from an engineering effort to make that happen, I have to assume that the amount of data that Sam's talking about here can create some challenges for your team in terms of how you can actually make use of that data and, and get that into a farmer's hands in a way that they can use it. It can. And, you know, what's, what's, what's interesting in farming is no one's ever done this before. You know, it's 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 one thing when you, when you set out to do something that's really hard that maybe folks have done before, and you can turn to past systems and things like that. And we try to do that as much as possible in terms of uh, borrowing from other industries that have gone through this. But uh, when it comes to ag, you know, uh, no one's really ever brought th- brought these data sets together in the way that we have at the Climate Corporation. So it uh, it definitely creates uh, an engineering challenge. But it's one of the reasons why all of us show up to work every day. You know, we're we're super mission driven. We love what we do. And the fact that uh, we can be technologists and and have a hand and and uh, you know some small part to play in, in helping to feed the world in the in the next uh, couple of decades uh, just gets everybody excited. You know, it's it's unique to have two guys from such different disciplines in the room that uh, that have accomplished so much in their career leading these organizations. You know, can can you guys talk a little bit about how you working together, the teamwork between the science organization and a uh, and an engineering technology product organization? How crucial is that to be able to unlock some of the potential of these new tools that uh, that the Climate Corporation is working on? Yeah, great question. I mean, uh, and, and this is something I think that climate has worked hard to sort of uniquely figure out over the past couple of years. You know, we were a, a, essentially a pure technology company, startup in Silicon Valley, very sort of textbook. But then, uh, you know, when we were acquired by Monsanto and now part of Bayer Crop Science, it has been a, a, a marriage between two very different cultures, two very different skill sets and, and backgrounds. But man, it has made such a powerful company. Company, uh, and I'm, I'm sure Sam will echo that. But the the trick is, how do we take you know really innovative science and then turn it into something that might be incredibly complex um, into something that's very easy to use and, and simple for the farmer? Yeah, I'll just add to that. I think um, the point Mark hit on, which was really crucial, is. We're actually kind of a unique hybrid company when you think about it. Uh, All the Silicon Valley tech knowledge and capability combined with a world of physical science and information about physical products. And there's no no doubt about it that uh, as scientists, we like to create complex things. And Mark's real mission is to make it as simple and easy for our customers. And, and, And you see that come through in our product where something as complex as figuring out what seed to put on your farm 
is as easy as, hey, here's a green, red, yellow sort of sheet on your operation and tells you as a farmer what to best do. So uh, that marriage of turning uh, biological science into really simple tools and insights is what we're really special about and what we can really do. Hey, uh, you just said something there, Sam, that, that struck a chord with me. And hey, I'm I'm a bit of a novice here as it comes to, to science uh, and, and to some of the more technical aspects of computer programming. But as I think about, you know, computer systems, they tend to be built to do something very specific, right? They're, they're really good, Mark, at doing this thing that they're taught to do, right? Well, speaking of challenges... You know, this has been an interesting growing season, right? Um, we've had a lot of farmers in the Midwest that have had to deal with historic things um, that that weren't normal. So how is taking all of the science and trying to build that into a system, isn't that going to take us to a place where how is the system going to be able to deal with outlier years like this where we've got historical challenges that we've, we've simply never seen before? So look, first of all, farming's a tough business. And I was actually just in some fields of corn uh, over the weekend here in Missouri, and the crop is still pollinating. So it's a, it's a tough thing to be if you're a farmer uh, middle of August and your corn is just starting to pollinate uh, versus uh, should have been doing that early July. But uh, in a lot of ways, what's happening now in the digital world is we get to learn from these years, right? We, we had severe droughts and floods in the past, and we maybe have some sort of simple perspective or perspective somebody has about, well, you know, this is what happened in the, you know, the drought of 95, for example, in Illinois. But the reality is we get to turn all this year's insights into new learnings. And we get to factor those into the models and make the models even smarter, make the models have more understanding of what the range of possibilities could be, what the range of outcomes could be. And that just ultimately lets us do better and better decision-making for the growers. You know, uh, As an example, you know, one of the interesting projects we're going to get out this year is really understanding how a hybrid will go ahead and adjust its requirement for GDUs or heat to a shorter season. And we don't really have that specific to hybrids and farming practices and soil conditions, but we're gonna get that this year. And so while it might be a tough year, uh, I don't know whether all of our crops on our farm are gonna finish, uh, but I know we're getting data and information that the next time this rolls around, we'll be a little smarter about how to make decisions on the farm. So what you're saying, Sam, is that by capturing data in these outlier years, it helps us to, to train the machine to, to understand how to account for some of those things? Yeah, ab- absolutely. The interesting thing about most of these uh, computer models is, you know, they only know how to operate within the space they've seen. So if they haven't observed uh, certain sort of conditions, they're sometimes not very good when they first see those conditions. So we're getting exposure to a lot of unique conditions this year, um, which is going to help make the models even more resilient for the future conditions. What? Well, Here's the thing, right? Abnormal has really become the new normal in agriculture. <laughs> that's that's just the way that it's gone the past, you know, 10, 20, probably 100 years here if we're being honest. You know, Mark, this this creates an interesting challenge for your team as they're thinking about how to deliver this uh, information to to farmers. You think about it, you know, Sam's team's trying to crank through all this information. The farmer's got to make decisions in real time, right? And and as we saw with this spring, there were limited windows where we we were able to make those decisions. So, yeah, how does your team take that into consideration as they think about some of the needs that farmers have around the tools that are delivering these insights to their operations? It's been fascinating to kind of come from 
traditional technology and, and, and digital applications and, and, and to try to solve this problem in ag. And what I can tell you is, you know, whenever we think about, you know, engineers do this, they think about engineering a solution, and they always think about the optimal. They, they always design for, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have great connectivity and I'm going to be on a fast machine and it's going to work great. And in product, we tend to think the same thing. We think, uh, you know, the farmer's going to have plenty of time in the winter to have a great plan and, the, and they're going to, you know, the sun's going to come out and warm up in, in the spring and we're going to roll those planters and it'll all go according to plan. And, and what we know is there's only one thing that's guaranteed in ag, I think, and that it will not go according to plan. Like there's just, there's just, there's just too many variables that happen to, to, uh, for, for everything to go perfect. If it does, great, but that's going to be the exception, not the, not the norm. And so what we really forced ourselves to do is treat the plan more of like the plan of record or the, the best wish of, of what's going to happen, but actually build a system that's completely flexible in terms of the recommendations it makes the data that it uses, and even how we build the product. Um, And so it's not a matter of make a plan and assume it gets executed. It's sort of make a plan and then be able to iterate that plan every day in terms of the changing characteristics, both of the weather from the the models that we're getting from science, and also into just being pragmatic about how farm actually operates. I mean, stuff happens, you know, and and things get done that that weren't in the plan, and you have to have a software system that's designed around flexibility, I think, that allows us to, uh, to adapt to kind of what's happening on the ground, what's happening via weather, and just make the best of it, and assume that the plan will not happen, you know, assume that changes will be made and just build a system that's flexible enough to accommodate. You talk about the plan, Mark. The plan's hard enough to build, right? There's so many different things we have to take into consideration. And then to your point, it it seems like as soon as the season starts going, we can go ahead and just take a lighter and burn that plan because it's not going to work for us anymore. Something's changed. Something's evolved. We've got to change and and make a decision on the fly. And Sam, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it. You know, the one thing we don't have enough time, uh, enough of in agriculture is time, right? There's so many decisions to make. We, we've got to figure these things out. We've got to figure them out on the fly. Please tell me your, your science team is, is working on some newfangled way for us to be able to understand this better because it seems to get more and more complicated every year. We collect and create more and more data. There's more things for us to look at, but there simply isn't any more time for us to be able to, to make a decision based on those. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, Time and ambiguity of information when we need to make decisions is really what uh, is part of the challenges in agriculture. So, I mean, let's let's think about a real example. Farmers are out there right now trying to determine they've got a disease problem in a lot of the corn that's out there. Uh, they know the yield level is not going to be what they would normally expect to get, especially if it was late planted, uh, like a lot of the crop was. And they're trying to make a decision about, should I spray... Uh, and try to control this disease, or should I just ignore it? And, you know, that that's a decision that, you know, really have a fairly short window of time to make that decision. You're trying to do that across all your fields. You've got to possibly arrange for an application to be done, uh, maybe through an aerial applicator, which is probably backed up also. And you don't know whether you're going to get a good return on that because you don't really know what your yield's going to be this year and how much is that disease going to take this year because it's such a strange environment we're in. And, and that's where, again, these decision tools really ultimately help farmers make those better decisions, right? If you can integrate all the learnings and data from the 
you know, hundreds of millions of acres we've rolled up into FieldView in the last couple of years. And all of our research data to say, tell you what, Rick, on your farm, there's an 80% probability you're going to get a positive return on that, say, fungicide spray if you go ahead and implement it in the next five days. At least now you're informed and uh, you can then decide, you know, financially, is that a decision I want to go ahead with? Uh, what fields? Simply get it executed through the system. And so, uh, we're doing more and more of that around seed, fertility, cropping decisions that, uh, you know, I can't give you more time during the day, but hopefully I can make that decision process quicker, more informed, and a better probability of an outcome. Well, in this ag economy, just, just some comfort around, hey, what, what's the likelihood that I'm going to see a result from this makes me feel a lot better. The reality is, I mean, the the tough part about disease is that typically I've lost by the time I see it, right? That's that's always a challenge is by the time somebody scouts it, by the time somebody notices it, I'm in this place where I'm I'm not even sure if I want to do anything about it anymore because what am I what am I really gonna recoup? You know, what'd really be nice is if you guys could start telling us ahead of time, hey, you should be watching out for this thing or that thing in this particular field. Yeah, that's you're spot on. And uh, that's exactly what we're trying to do is hey, with all the knowledge about how you're farming the genetics you've put out in that field, the disease development that we've been monitoring and predicting, your weather conditions. We're actually getting where we're doing a pretty decent job right now in our research trials of predicting what your disease severity is going to be, say, out the next two weeks, which, to your point, lets you get ahead of passing that barrier of yield loss, right? And, uh, you know, we, we see this a lot where people come in, they've scouted, uh Hey, I've got a lot of gray leaf spot in my field. I need it sprayed tomorrow. Well, sorry, we can we can get there in ten days, and those ten days is pretty detrimental to that crop in some cases. So um, we're working on making that prediction as uh, far and out in time as we can, so that you have as much time to make that decision uh, about what you want to do in your operation. Hold on a second here. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Did you just tell me that you guys are working on like a 10-day weather forecast, but for <laughs> disease where I can actually know what's coming to me? Yeah, hey, you know, the weather's interesting. Uh, it's always wrong. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have to deal with that. But, the, uh, no, the reality is certain weather parameters you can actually predict out pretty decent for 10 days, two weeks. And you start putting in a probability around, say, rainfall as an example, and you factor that into your model. And so this will never be a black and white, and that's one of the things we're going to have to think a little different about sometimes uh, in our decision-making. It will be a probability of something. Now, we can turn that into thresholds, and you can think about it that way. But you know, given the weather forecast, given the state of your crop, given the state of the disease and genetics, here's the probability of uh, a return on that investment. That's exactly what we're trying to deliver. Well, now you've got my interest peaked here. This is this is highly interesting, but it, it comes back to the question of how is the farmer of the future going to consume this information? I mean, Mark, Sam's talking about complex scientific algorithms that go so far over my head I can't even see them. You know, how is the farmer or a dealer or a crop consultant actually going to consume this stuff in a way that that allows them to act on it? The aspect of time is is uh, is probably one of the most important things that any of our customers have, either our farmer customers, our dealers, agronomists, et cetera, everybody. You know, we can't create more time for you, but we might be able to optimize the time that you have. And, uh, 
you know, picking up on on something that that Sam said. You know, there's a trend uh, in the industry when we when we sort of started to introduce some of these digital ag platforms and we started to deliver satellite imagery. Um, you know, and for the first time, farmers could get kind of a satellite view of of their field health and and help them with scouting and things like that. And you know, there's there's a there's some good use for that, but but now we're seeing you know companies start to offer you know uh, images twice a day. Well, you know, as a farmer, what am I going to do? I'm going to look at two images a day for all of my fields and my entire farming operation and try to figure out what to do with those things. I mean, it's just, you know, what what Sam's team is focused on is is how do we actually use that that imagery internally and just surface to the growers the one or two fields that actually have issues, right? That's where we, you know, really spend our time in product in terms of how do we optimize the time that you have and make it the the most viable way to spend it. So if you've only got a certain number of hours in a day to spend scouting, for example, how can we surface the the most important fields in your operation that you can go take a look at? And those have to be fields that there is some sort of pending decision that can be made that, that can really adjust the outcome. Um, and it's just things like that. So how can we, uh, you know, instead of giving you sort of uh, a bunch of roll-up reports of, of, of what happened on your field, how can we identify for you opportunities of for improvement? You know, without you trying to sift through all the data and figure out, you know, how to be better, uh, why don't we just tell you, hey, these two fields are underpopulated. This third field, you know, you, p- you really put the wrong hybrid on. This field over here, you know, has a fertility program that's out of whack, or you can adjust zones over here to be a little better. This is really where we're spending our time in product to, to optimize the time that, that we do have to make it the most impactful that we can. Now you're speaking my language. Here, here's the reality. I got to be honest with you. I don't really need to look at satellite images. If you can figure out a way for me to not have to look at the satellite images anymore, that'd be fantastic. Just tell me what I'm supposed to see here because I'm tired of acting like I actually can see what I'm supposed to see here because I'm not sure what it means. Yeah, actually, it's a great point. In fact, what we're trying to do is 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 get away from that altogether. Like, a farmer looking at satellite imagery is probably the wrong person. What we really want to do is, if you're a farmer and you have a relationship with your crop protection dealer or, or whatever, and we spot an issue in a, in a field, let us have the conversation with the crop protection dealer and line up the, the right decision, right treatment for you as the farmer. You're informed all along, right? It's the relationship between you and your dealer. Uh, but if they're the one that's going to arrange for the, uh, the aircraft to do the aerial application or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's an, an over-the-top application, then we might as well be surfacing the issue to them uh, who are actually the ones who are going to be able to, to address it uh, for you and save you the, the time of having to first understand the issue, and then second to involve, you know, whoever your uh, uh, whoever whoever's going to solve it for you is, and so that's kind of uh, you know a second order uh, means of optimization. How do we optimize uh, you, the farmer, from from even spending time at all doing it when when you've got a, a group of trusted professionals that are making these decisions that are helping you with these decisions and these treatments anyway? Well, now you're actually starting to talk about giving me some time back. I mean, between having a bit of a forecast as to what I might be able to expect talking to, to my dealer about what applications we can make. I mean, hey, I, I don't want to draw too much of a parallel here, guys, but, you know, I, when I when I got my, uh, when I look at my 401k, I've got that thing set up that when certain thresholds are hit, certain action is taken. Are you insinuating to me that, that I could set some thresholds up potentially in the future for disease risk that, that we could take proactive activity on? 
There's absolutely that possibility. You know, you know, uh, Sam already talked about how we're getting to a point within science where we have high probability of certain outcomes. Um, and I think that's what the big advantage of using data to make these decisions are going to make, right? Um, we know that there's enough variability in a year where, you know, that 80% you know, probability may not happen all the time. You still have a 20% shot that it won't happen. But if you follow these kinds of data-driven decisions over time for your operation, it means you're going to win eight out of 10 times. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know anybody that uh, that wouldn't want us move to, to that kind of a scenario. Hey, you, uh, you just... You just were talking about data there and how this drives the decision. Yeah, Sam, we hear all the time about big data, data-driven solutions. I could spend the next 20 minutes throwing buzzwords out there that people like to throw out there that, frankly, no one really knows what any of those things mean in, in the reality of things. You know, as somebody that's that's been working on this for a long time, Talk to our listeners a little bit about why they should believe in this, why, why all of this data science actually matters to them and is actually going to have a real practical impact on the way that they produce. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a great question. You hear that a lot. Um, and we, we've talked about all the data we're getting in through field view about uh, what's actually happening on the farm. And here, here's the simple way I think about it. Um, you know, my dad farmed for 40-plus years, and uh, I think he got smarter every year on what to do and how to do it and, and knew a little bit about each and every part of a field. But the reality is he he couldn't make enough decisions real time. He couldn't integrate all the information from the past 40 years. He couldn't integrate all the new information that's coming out in ag around new hybrids, fertility programs, new crop protection molecules. He didn't have the ability to leverage data from his neighbors. Uh, you know, he went to the coffee shop a lot at the elevator and complained about the price of corn and uh, and learned a little bit here and there. He didn't know when people were optimally spraying for stuff. A lot of times we'd look at, hey, it looks like uh, such and such up the road is starting to run a sprayer if we gone out and looked at our crops. So while he was quite good and artful at farming, uh, there's just a tremendous amount of information sitting there. And now we've been able to unlock with field view that can make his decisions a lot better. And so I, I think about my brothers and their farming. They get to leverage all that knowledge, everything that's going on year over year, everything that's going on in the neighborhood, everything that's coming out from a research organization. They don't have to be data experts. They don't have to spend all weekend grinding through data and yield results and various trials to try to figure something out. As Mark said, you know, we're trying to surface this up as, hey, here's the best recommendation on your operation. And the beauty of the system we've built is I can go test it. Right? You can go into field view and set up the experiment and combine runs and you know the results as soon as you pull out of the field. And what we're seeing is we're winning those comparisons. We're proving to farmers that this data-driven world is actually helping them make better decisions. And uh, I, I think when they, uh, more and more farmers get behind that, you know, that's when some of the ambiguity comes out of farming and your risk starts to come down in farming. So um, it is a different world, and uh, it's exciting what we're, we're doing with all the data. That's interesting, Sam. You know, you, you think about just measurement, right? And truly understanding what productivity looks like at the end of the year. 
And Mark, you know, I've I've messed around with FieldView quite a bit, and there's some interesting analytical tools there. You know, how does your team think about how the how the farmer can use FieldView really as as kind of the scoreboard, right, to to understand what performance looked like? What we found, you know, when we started was the the first value proposition of farmers was just getting all the data that they have from these different systems in one place, so that they could look at it. Right, um, you know, if I'm if I have different color equipment and I've got different, uh, you know, data coming off these different things, I may have some third-party services that are doing some things. That's you know, my data's in spread across five or six different uh, platforms. I'm getting frustrated just thinking about this process right now. Just just remembering everyone's lo- uh, logins and accounts for these these different platforms is a problem, right? So, you know, the first value proposition was getting all that data in one place so you could look at it. Um, you know, um, so that was, that was the first thing we did. The second thing we did was sort of roll that data up into some easy-to-consume reports for, for the farmer. And this is, you know, before Sam's team has really had any chance to do any kind of really fancy data science on it, let's just tabulate the results. You know, how did this hybrid do? How did that hybrid do? How did uh, your different soil types on your operation do? How did your different fields do? What was your cross-field average, farm averages, things like that? And uh, farmers loved it because they were already doing it, kind of rough guess in their head. Um, it's rare for me to meet farmers that that are doing much more than just basic, you know, break-even analysis on a field-level basis, right? They don't really get into, hey, how did the different types of soil perform in that field? And how are my decisions and things like that? So that was that's where we're sort of rolling up the first, you know, the, the value there in those reporting tools. And the next generation of product, what we're looking at is, hey, how do we embrace this sort of this this farmer nature of of running experiments on the farm? Right, every farmer does it. Um, they're testing a variety of different things on, on their farms at any given time. Could be across different product manufacturers, could be across products, could be equipment, could be rotation, could be any number of things. But they're running a number of these experiments uh, every year on their farm. And so in the next generation of product features we're working on, what we want to do is just embrace and support that. Uh, how do we make it easier for a farmer to set up an experiment that is actually useful for the farmer, but also scientific relevant, right? So how do we make sure that they're not setting themselves up to draw false conclusions about how products uh, performed on their farm? And one of the ways we're doing that is, hey, if you set up a scientifically valid experiment, we'll automate this for you in a way that makes it just dead simple within the product, right? You want to test a crop protection? We'll do that. You want to test a different seed? We'll do that. You want to test a seed treatment? We'll show you how to do that. And we'll automate both setting it up and Doing the analysis for you at the end of the year, and and so it's it's I think it's going to be really well received by by farmers, and uh, it's going to keep folks from making I would say bad decisions based on bad data, and I'm sure Sam can can weigh in on this, um, but it'll also help us really start to understand the effects of these different combinations of products and how they perform and things like that, because we'll have just just better uh, better field data. I, I got to ask you though, Mark, you know you, you brought up using the analytical tools to to understand seed performance. It's great to be able to understand the seed performance, but here's the reality. We've gotten to a place in ag now where my hybrids are turning over so quickly. About the time I figure out if I like a hybrid or not or how I want to treat it, the the seed company is retiring that hybrid or they're moving on to a different genetics package. What I really need is the ability to understand hybrid performance in a faster way because I just don't have enough time to test it yet. I think that's true. Um, the uh, 
So, so if you think about it, you know, why are seed companies turning over hybrids? First of all, let's just step back and look at that. And the reason is our our plant breeding programs are improving the productivity of those hybrids at a pretty phenomenal rate. And uh, you know, when you get three or four years uh, into the life cycle of a hybrid, it's it's likely already eight, ten, twelve bushels behind the the new stuff coming out in the marketplace. Now, here's the challenge for us, though, on the farm is. I don't know this new hybrid. I haven't had a chance to experience it on my operation. Uh, what hybrid does it relate to? Do, how much do I really fertilize it or spray fungicide? Is the density still the same? And unfortunately, you know, we're having to learn that uh, over and over. And that's actually where this digital space becomes really special because, again, using all the knowledge about your operation using, in our case, knowledge about the genetics, we're actually able to recommend through, say, Seed Advisor, what is the best new hybrid for your operation? And as Mark just talked about, hey, we'll help you set up the experiments if you'd like to run a comparison. It's right there on your farm, managed your way, uh, measured by your equipment. You can actually see the results. And and, and we've been doing this for a couple of years now with a, a set of uh, farmers that are helping us learn the right way to run the product, the right way the model needs to work. And uh, what we see is a high win rate in our ability to make those recommendations. And farmers quickly move to, hey, I'll take that recommendation and run it on my farm. And so in that world, the farmer gets to leverage the new productivity as quick as they can because they now know and trust these algorithms on where to place that new hybrid, how to manage it, what to do in their operation. So, uh, you know, that's that's a win-win in both scenarios because the, the farmers are getting the more productivity. They can always make decisions about finances and how they want to manage their farm. Uh, and uh, we're getting to uh, push those digital tools onto their operation and help them make better decisions. So what you're saying is, is you guys are actually doing research on these products before I can even purchase them. And then once they get to me, you're able to, to tell me a little bit more about how I should actually plant and, and manage that hybrid. Yeah, absolutely. That, that kind of goes back to, as we talked about climate earlier, this hybrid company nature, right? As Mark talked to the, the incredibly strong Silicon Valley background perspective, got married up with uh, a really strong uh, biological science organization. And so if you think about us developing new hybrids, we've seen that hybrid six or seven years in field trials, uh, hundreds of locations, numerous sort of environmental conditions. And we know how it relates to every other hybrid that we've ever sold in the marketplace. So you've had a good experience with hybrid A. We know hybrid B is coming through the pipeline designed to replace hybrid A, we know an awful lot about its productivity, how it's going to react on soil types, and we funnel that into our recommendation to help you decide, uh, hey, hybrid B ought to be on these fields at this sort of density. Sam, now you're speaking my language. I, I got to turn and look at Mark. How do I get access to this thing, man? I mean, this is this is awesome new technology. 
um, you know, is this is this science fiction? Is this something that Sam's team's going to hand to you, and I'm going to be able to use in in five to ten years? Or w- what's the what's the time horizon on this? Well, uh, depending on where you live, um, is assuming you're in in the right geography, which right now is really the Corn Belt uh, geography. The seed advisor is available for you to enroll today. You know, you should be able to. There should be a dealer in your area that can get you signed up. It's we're still in in sort of pre-commercial phase with it. Uh, but uh, we are every year expanding both the, the area that it's offered in as well as the, the, the number of growers that we enroll in the, in the program. And uh, Sam, keep me honest here, but the first year we, we tried this a couple years ago, I think uh, the, the folks uh, netted about an average six bushel per acre gain. Uh, and then last year, uh, you know, those those folks, of course, six bushels was pretty phenomenal for the first year out of the out of the gate. Uh, but then we took all of that data, added it into the system in the second year, folks uh, so folks enjoyed about a nine bushel per acre gain. Um, and so directionally, we're moving in the right way. Customers have been really satisfied uh, with the performance of the product. Like Sam said, you can set up your own trials, try it on your own land. It's it's not something that you have to take our word for by, by any means. Um, and some of the results have just been really uh, amazing. And so I encourage folks, you know, uh, it's a seed advisor product, you know, co- talk to your Fieldview dealer and, uh, and see if it's available in your area. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm learning too much here. Sam, you're batting a thousand. What, what other new science are you guys going to be bringing that Mark's team is going to be putting out there for, for farmers to consume? Well, you know, we've, we've hit on a bunch of it. We're really focused on seed decision. And that's not only corn, but we're starting to work on soybeans quite a bit. If you're in the south, uh, cotton, uh, even if you go up north, uh, even some wheat and canola, starting to look at that. Um, how to plant that as far as the plant density, uh, that should be out there in your farm. And if you can do variable rate, uh, our scripting tools will allow you to do uh, a variable rate uh, plant density across those fields. We actually have a long history in fertility. Uh, we That product is still on the market today. We've, we've done a little bit of a step back, though, and said, hey, we really want fertility in the context of your hybrid selection and your density scripting plan. Uh, it, it doesn't do much good out there to be in certain parts of your field, say increasing plant density and then ignoring the fertility that needs to come along with that. Or the flip side, uh, putting on uh, fertility in parts of the field that really is not going to benefit it. From, so we really got to bring those together. And then the disease part, we talked a lot about that. So we're heavily uh, working on understanding disease risks, return on your investment for, say, a fungicide application. And again, molding all that into what is the hybrid on your farm, the density, et cetera. So all that stuff is uh, right around the corner. And there's a bunch of other cool stuff, uh, the next, uh, you know, next building back that we'll, we'll talk to you about later. Awesome. Hey, Mark, as, uh, as you look towards the future, for, for those that decide to use the FieldView platform, you know, what are you excited about being able to bring to them, and, and what ways are you excited about being able to improve their operations? I think the first thing is just transparency. You know, I mean, we've, in, in ag for a long time, you know, we've sort of been promised that these different products would perform this way or that way, and, and every year our different sales folks try to convince us, you know, to to buy the the latest and greatest, and and maybe those products are make a lot of sense for our operation, but maybe they don't. 
And I think the the, the first thing that uh, you know our customers are getting from these these new digital platform and, and particularly FieldView is just a new level of transparency. You know, I mentioned this next generation feature starting to uh, allow farmers to set up their own experiments. Well, when you run your own experiment on your farm. Uh, that's scientifically valid around how a product performed, you have it right there in black and white. This is how that product performed. Um, and you can take that back to your sales rep. And, and in fact, you know, when our sales reps first started to figure out, okay, what do I do with this new tool? You know, the ones that have really embraced it have have realized that they, it enables a whole new type of conversation with your customer, right? You're, it's no longer a matter of, hey, trust me on this or trust me on that. It's, you know, the performance of the product is right there in black and white. And so then it becomes a question of, okay, based on that performance, like how do we tune for next year? How do we optimize? How do we do a little bit better? And what's even more fascinating to me, and I'm super excited about this, is as we start to understand the performance of products in a new transparent way, it actually starts to unlock new business models. And we're actually able to, to give product manufacturers an opportunity to participate in both the, the risk of using a product as well as the upside in using a product and actually make product manufacturers more of a partner uh, with their customers than just a pure producer-consumer type of, of, of relationship. You know, every year, seed companies, and, and, and we're no different, we come out with great new hybrids that have spent years in, in science and development, um, and they generally cost more, right? More technology, more performance, et cetera. Is it worth it? Well, we don't always know that, and, and every product is not ideal for every acre. We know that. But in these new uh, this new world of sort of transparent product performance, you know, we're able to offer these uh, these uh, manufacturers, these types of products, the ability to to partner with the grower, and and that's what uh, that's what excites me the most. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be great for ag. It's going to be great for the farmer. It's going to be great for for product manufacturers, um, and it's really going to change the way we farm. Hey, the future sounds bright, but I want to reel it back in as we uh, as we wrap up here. You know, Sam, it's a unique opportunity with the uh, the chief science guy from the Climate Corporation here with us. Know that you're still uh, active with the family farm back home. As you're having conversations with uh, with the family about the operation, what are you telling them they need to be doing right now today to get to a place where they're ready to participate in the future that Mark just described? Yeah, for us on the farm, uh, data collection. Uh, I, I'll be sad to say before I joined Climate Corporation, um, we were like every other uh, typical farmer probably in the Midwest where data was setting on our controllers. We watched the combine yield maps real time, made some decisions, maybe forgot some stuff later on. A uh, year rolled around and did something sometimes totally different. So um, we've just been focused on getting our data into the system uh, understanding uh, what uh, the information looks like, how our fields behaving uh, across years, and uh, we've started running a lot of those logical experiments on the farm. Um, split planter for hybrid genetics. Uh, we've done some density trials. We've actually done some fertility trials. Uh, played around with some different tillage techniques. You know, does deep ripping this field really help us or not help us? Uh, we've played around with planter speed. You know, one brother likes to plant really fast, the other one doesn't, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, all Typical sorts of, brothers right yeah, there, right? All, all sorts of interesting things, and, and even some stuff that might seem so obvious that people might laugh, but, um, hey, we, we, we don't have a lot of nice square fields where I grew up, and so we have a lot of point rows. 
okay, well, how many acres of point rows do we really have? And does it all of a sudden justify additional row shutoff expense on the farm? Yeah, it's all right there. You can go in and calculate it and figure it out and say, hey, here's a return on seed or a crop protection molecule, probably even better yield uh, if we'd manage all these point rows in a different way. So uh, there's just a lot of fascinating things that come out of it. And I'll tell you, uh, simple stuff that my brothers like are reporting. Uh, we, we cash rent a lot of farms. So landowners want to see what did you do? What was the yield? Simple to create those reports and make information available. So uh, we're, in a lot of ways, we're still at the very beginning of the decisions, but we're also fully invested in this journey of getting our data and doing on-farm experimentation. Hey guys, it's it's really exciting to hear how science is driving this this new digitization in agriculture and how we're going to bring these new tools to customers and farmers out in the marketplace. You know, what what I've heard you guys talk about is is how important it is to collect data. Right. If if I need or I want to participate in these things, the first thing I've got to do is I've got to have my planting data. I've got to have my application data. I've got to have my harvest data. From there, you know, Sam, you're you're painting a beautiful picture, right? It, I'd be excited to to live in a world where I could have more confidence about new hybrids as they come out. Um, you know, to have the ability, Mark, to be able to get that information in real time and and listen where where you're going there of having the producer or or the input provider put their money where their mouth is. I'm all on board for that, and I think there's a lot of folks out in the industry that uh, that are farming and making decisions would be really excited about uh, about having people stand behind the performance that they're talking about out there and being able to measure that and see that and, and really understand what pays and what doesn't. So I want to thank both of you guys for coming in and spending time with us today. Mark Young, Sam Athington, great to spend time with you here today. Um, want to thank our listeners for tuning in and uh, and enjoying the podcast. This has been Around the Farm, brought to you by Climate Field View. Don't miss any of our episodes. I know you wouldn't want to. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us at www.climate.com. We want to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or questions, go to Twitter, search for Field View. You can find us there and then use the hashtag, hashtag FieldViewATF, so that we can find your tweets and we'll do our best to answer your questions because honestly, you guys come up with the best ideas. Speaking of feedback, we wouldn't be opposed to getting that great five-star review. If you send them our way, we greatly appreciate it. That's all we've got for today. We'll see you around the farm.